The Real Ethics, where we talk all things real and ethics in reference to professional practices and pop culture. I'm your host, Ronnie Brooks. Thank you for tuning in today, y'all. It's Friday, and I'm happy to be bringing this table read where we're going to do a roll call of individuals who have stand against oppression by speaking on values that represent all beings, not just one person, but all beings, rights to happiness, health, safety, compassion, justice, and most importantly, one's autonomy, dignity, and equality as we discuss ethics and civil rights. Hey, you should consider coming as well, Sam. Leaving this country in the rear view for a while. It's a great way to get some perspective. I'm busy too. One can never be too busy for some added perspective. I'm swamped, man. And I got to prep to go back to the Copa. Oh, 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 man, you need to go on and forget about the Copa. It's not that bad. Come on, man. All right, fine. Maybe it was that bad. You don't suck and jive enough for those old fates. I may not dance around the stage like Jackie or James Brown, but that's not what I'm selling. All right, I'm selling my voice, my words, my image, my message. Message. Hmm. Problem is that the Copa, you have to sell that message to a bunch of white folks. That don't matter. They got souls, don't they? Every living thing with a soul can have that soul tapped into. I thought you'd know that. You think just maybe your energy's misdirected, same trying to tap into white people's soul? No, I don't. If I win them over playing our music, I'm, I'm knocking down doors for everybody. You watch and see. It's not going to always be the pop charts over here, black music charts over there. One day it's going to be one chart. Mm. One music for all people. What kind of message are you sending, though, by doing one show for white folks and a completely different show for black folks, Sam? You, you, don't listen to me. You're performing in, in, in places where the only black people not on stage are the ones serving the food. Don't you think I know that? Can't tell you how many times I wanted to reach out and punch somebody. Then, but then, you... then, then, strike with the weapon that you have, man, your voice. Black people, we, we, we standing up. Mm-hmm. We, we, we speaking out. Sam, you have possibly one of the most effective, beautiful outlets of us all. You're not using it to help the cause, bro. Hell, I'm not. I got the masters to my songs. I started a label. I'm producing tons of black artists. Don't you think my determining my creative and business destiny is every bit as inspiring to people as you standing up on a podium trying to piss them off? Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. That's all you do. Sam, I do plenty. Oh, do you? Let's see. You suck at sports. Well, I, I was never much in football. Can't sing. Damn sure can't make shit out of no peanut. Is there a point to this My rant, point Sam? is sometimes I feel like you just like all the rest of them people out there, obsessed with the stars. Oh, oh no, 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 can't. Look around. Look finish. around. Which one of us don't belong? Don't belong? Don't belong. <laughs> Brother Sam, the only person here white people seem to like. That would be you. Hey, y'all need to cool it now, man. You know, you always manage to just be around for shit, haven't you? Maybe your daddy should have beaten you better. <laughs> the clip that you just heard is from the most recent release film on Amazon called One Night in Miami. It was directed by the brilliant Regina King. While this film is a fictional account of what really was discussed amongst these iconic figures in sports, such as Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown, and musician Sam Cooke and human rights activist Malcolm X, the film did a wonderful job showing how these individuals as human beings in this one night in which they all gathered to discuss their significant roles and responsibilities, not only as public figures, but as black men during the civil rights movement. I can tell you guys this, I have watched this film three times and it is so poetic. 
I felt so much empathy towards these individuals in regard to the amount of pressure and often burden they encountered by not only being talented and successful, but, but being black in America. The platform and the opportunity they earned, not just given, but they earned to represent not only who they are as individuals, but their whole race and gender as black men is so significant, especially in today's time. This film shows us the vulnerability and the pain that comes with oppression and the diligence it takes to fight for everyone's civil rights. So for this table read, we give thanks to these individuals and more as we continue to fight for equality for all. So let's reel it out. So what is civil rights? Well, for one, civil rights encompasses several generations that many of us may not be aware of. So I'm going to break it down. The first generation is known as the civil political rights, which is the due process and the right to vote. It requires government action and public resources. These rights were reevaluated through the women's emancipation movement of the 19th century. The political rights had many flaws within this generation. For one, it did not uphold the idea that all citizens in a democracy are entitled to the same rights. Instead, it categorized individuals by race, gender, religion, and socioeconomic status as a means to develop discrimination laws to suppress votes and to maintain power. This leads us to our next generation, known as social economic rights. Sorry, I didn't say that clearly, so I'm going to say it again. Social economic rights. And this includes equal condition and treatment for all people. It's in reference to like goods to meet social needs, such as housing, healthcare, education, and nutrition, everything we need on a daily basis. It also includes economic needs, such as the right to fair wages, social welfare, and adequate work and living standards. I mean, can you imagine if everyone in the U.S. made over $25 like they do in Australia? No, you cannot, because it would never happen. The problem in the U.S. is that economic hardships and disparities are not recognized as civil rights issues. They only are considered if they're associated with some form of discrimination in reference to one's race, gender, or religion. And in other words, just being a U.S. citizen and poor does not entitle you to any form of these resources. You're American. You need to work for it. And the last generation I want to talk about is the collective development of rights, which is the right to political status or development in areas of culture and society. This includes the right to culture, communication, and religion, as well as natural resources and healthy environment and sustainability. These collective rights were developed in a way to support cultural minorities and indigenous populations to ensure their culture and political autonomy following a mass genocide of these communities. If you look at all these generations of rights, you can see that there are several moral and ethical contradictions, which have heavily been debated over thinkers and activists and lawmakers over time. Andrew Altman points out that civil rights should only be considered within one category, a general category. It can't be that easy. Why do we have to break it up in three different ways? You can eat a sandwich just by biting into it. You don't need to cut it in six different parts. Well, some people do. But anyways, it should be a general category of basic rights, which is the needed for free and equal citizenship. He explains civil rights as the basic legal rights a person must possess in order to have such a status. This includes the rights that constitute free and equal citizenship and include personal, political, and economic rights. These rights should never be legitimately denied to a person on any basis of race, 
color, sex, religion, national origin, or disability. In considering the rights of others in our society and within American culture, we must take into account dignity. The word dignity is huge within civil rights. It's a way of securing the public and private autonomy of the citizens as well. When we talk about dignity, we're talking about the respect and value of others. Civil rights only is a movement because we do not respect and value others. Once you examine what the word racial means, after all, everybody's a race of one kind or another. We're not talking about racial prejudice, we're talking about the structure of power. Mm. The structure of power which has, power which has the, the right and the duty to tell other people who they are for very dubious reasons. After all, one of the reasons I'm black is because I had to be black in order to justify my slavery. Mm. That's part of my inheritance and part of yours too. Mm. It's got nothing to do with race. It's a way of avoiding history. I've got quite an arrest record, and that's for civil disobedience, you know, for civil disobedience. And, and, and actually, most of the arrests, though, were just because we would go into the fields to talk to workers, and they would arrest us. And in fact, sometimes we got arrested before we, we even spoke to the workers. You know, we would just drive up to the fields, and then the, the police would just get us and, and, and arrest us. The average American is not, nor should they have to be prepared to fight every day of their life for basic civil rights. All too many incidences of discrimination have gone by undefended because of lack of protection under the law. In the past, disability has been a cause for shame. This forced acceptance of second-class citizenship has stripped us as disabled people of pride and dignity. This is not the way we as Americans should have to live our lives. When I invest time in young people from colleges I know that I'm going to get that bread back. You know, bread cast upon the water comes back. Because when I see them doing their thing one day and I'm too old to do anything but sit and look at them, I'm going to say, well, I was part of that. I never intend for my children to look at me and be ashamed and say, Mama, why didn't you do something? I will have done mine. For this episode and this table read, we're going to be acknowledging the pioneers who have fought who are continuing to fight for change despite personal repercussions or loss of their own rights and freedoms, giving so much thanks to philosophers, thinkers, authors, artists, and activists who have contributed to the continuous fight for civil rights. Roll call. Shoutouts to Angela Davis, activist and philosopher during the 1960s civil rights movement and founder of the National Grassroots Prison Abolition Organization and Critical Resistance. Webb Dubois was an important American thinker. If you don't know him, he's a poet, a philosopher, an economic historian, as well as a sociologist and social critic. He's, he's got so much. Muhammad Ali, a sports icon, as well as a civil rights advocate. Gloria Anzuzdula, I mean, she was a scholar of Chicana culture theory, feminist theory, and queer theory. Cesar Chavez, he fought for labor leaders, as well as community organizers, a businessman, and a Latino-American civil rights activist. Dennis Bakes, Clyde Belcourt, and Russell C. Means. If you don't know who they are, please look them up. They founded the American Indian Movement, and they're known for organizing the 1972 Trails of Broken Treaties to Washington, D.C., and committed their lives to fighting for Native oppression and poverty. 
Julian Bond. We lost him a few years back, but he was a known civil rights advocate, as well as the first president of Southern Poverty Law and co-founder of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. We also have Floyd Red Crow Westman. He was a huge political advocate, as well as a musician and actor during the 1960s civil rights movement. Cornel West, Nina Simone, songwriter, musician, and activist during the 1960s civil rights movement. Janet Cloud, founding member of the Indigenous Women of Network and Activists, who organized to uphold the fishing and hunting rights of Native people under the Medicine Creek Treaty of 1854. Marsha P. Johnson, a huge AIDS activist and a coalition of Unleashed Power, ACT Up. Rodolph, I can't even say his name correctly, forgive me, but... Rodolfo Corky Gonzalez, an activist. Gonzalez founded the Crusade for Justice. He was a civil rights and cultural organization, the advocate for the rights of Hispanic Americans. Judith Human, disabilities rights activist and the first special advisor for international disabilities rights at the U.S. Department of State. Rafi Friedman, she was currently especially fighting for the rights of transgender and people of color, as well as Peter Singer, who's Australian ethical and political philosopher, best known for his work in bioethics and his role as one of the intellectual founders of the modern animal rights movement. We cannot forget about Malcolm X, a human rights activist during the 1960s who lost his life to the fight for others, as well as so many like James Baldwin, Mary Frances Berry, the list goes on. With so much love and respect to these individuals, thank you for showing us the importance of dignity and equality for all and reminding us that we are still not done. Thank you for listening and tuning in to this week's Table Read as we honor thinkers and artists and educators, activists, musicians, philosophers, as we give thanks to those who have strived and sacrificed their own freedoms for equality of others. If you like what you're hearing and would like to continue rolling out ethical dilemmas with us, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, especially on iTunes and Spotify. We would love to hear from you. And once again, that's a wrap. second-class houses and second-class schools. Do you think that all colored folks are just second-class fools, Mr. Backlash?